0: I'm so excited to have this conversation with these two authors, Eile Huber and Toby Malone, who've written this a new book, Cutting Plays for Performance. And I'm a little nervous about how to have the conversation because though I'm excited, I kind of feel like you might be giving away some trade secrets that'll put the Redue Shakespeare <laughs> Company out of business. <laughs> Not at all. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 15th year, number 768 Cutting the Plays. If you've ever wanted to cut down a massive Shakespeare play, or indeed any epic already in the public domain, but you wanted a more sophisticated understanding of how that could best be done, directors and dramaturgs Eilie Huber and Toby Malone have done that work for you. They've written the new book, Cutting Plays for Performance, a practical guide on how to go about... I won't say reducing, but shortening your play for any and all kinds of reasons, from the practical to the craven to the artistic. I was so thrilled to talk with Eileen and Toby last weekend, and Toby began our conversation by explaining what niche in the market this book is filling and who it's
1: for. It's it's for everyone, really. Yeah, uh, we we really um, we've both been cutting plays for performance for years uh, for various companies around the place, um, and we met. Uh, we're, we're both members of leadership, or uh, at the time we were on at the Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival Region Two, um, and we got to talking. And Eileen was telling me about a cut she had just done, Richard III, where she said, "Oh, and by the way, I completely cut Pomfret." And I said, what do you mean you cut Pomfret? You can't cut Pomfret. And so we got into a lovely conversation about what you can and can't cut. in Richard III, uh, she was in the middle of this very innovative cut. I, I wrote my PhD thesis on Richard III, so I was very um, deeply invested in it. And after we had that conversation, we said, we should teach a workshop on this. This is fun. And so we, t- so we taught a workshop at the festival. And at the end of one of the sessions, the uh, an audience member said can you tell me uh what books are out there that um can where we can learn more about this and we both said I don't think there is one and so we looked around and couldn't see one and then we said well what if we write it and so (laughs) the rest is history really
2: yeah um I think that one reason that I felt like this was an important book to write is that there are lots of people who cut plays and just kind of go at it and don't know how or what they're going to do. They don't necessarily have a plan. They're just like, I'm going to try to make this place shorter and hope it works. Um, and I see that a lot, especially among acad- academics. Um, we work a bunch with college theaters. And if you're doing Shakespeare with college students, you're, you know, unless it's comedy of errors, right, you're going to cut that. Um, but nobody really knows how and no one really talks about how. Um but as we were working on the book, I think my my audience in my head was always people who hadn't had a lot of specific training in Shakespeare, but as we were working on the book we were, one of the best parts was that we got to interview a lot of very brilliant, amazing people Um, and I was like, oh I've been cutting plays forever and I've learned so much like I learned all kinds of new things about how to cut plays and so I think actually that that people who have been doing it for a long time and and consider themselves well versed in the subject will still find things that, that make them go, oh I could try that next time so
0: is your methodology somewhat more nuanced uh, and rich than our methodology which is, to, <laughs> which is to cut the boring unimportant subplots and extraneous poetry and get right to the sex and the killing
1: <laughs> i think i think we were really uh tr- really tried to emphasize the fact that there are so many different ways to cut depending on the production because I, that way you just described is an absolutely valid and exciting Approach to a cut. Um, the next cut along of the same play, you may want to be focusing on uh, all of the direct address moments uh, between the actors and the audience, and cut out all of the uh, all of the innuendo. Or you may take one where you say, "Okay, we have a we only have a, a four actors to do this whole thing, so we're going to we're concentrating on doubling." I so one of the things we really try to focus on is that we never wanted to say, "This is the way." We wanted to say. We're collecting a bunch of different ways that we've found. And so we were talking to people who are cutting plays for high schools, and we were talking to people who are cutting plays for the public theater, Shakespeare in Central Park, and everything in between. So we were talking to um, practitioners uh, in Australia and England uh, and the United States, Canada, artistic directors, actors, um, as scholars, all different approaches, and nearly everyone we interviewed, we started off with a question of how did you learn how to cut? And the, and 100% of the time the answer was, I just figured it out. No one learned in the classroom, no one read a book, everyone just figured it out. And that's one of the glorious things about this.
0: What I also love about the, the idea is that it doesn't sound like you have anybody going, how dare you, how dare you cut Shakespeare? Because it feels like to me, this is still a kind of an unacknowledged open secret is that every single production that goes on of shakespeare is cut to one degree or other and in fact the texts that we do have are very suspect in terms of what uh, what is what is original what's been added on what is not just one or the other version of the script but maybe all of the versions slammed together we Absolutely. don't know you know, so that's a thing that I just think the average punter doesn't really understand is that the scripts are a, are very fluid, absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. And we and we start out right at the beginning, saying you may be saying to yourself you can't cut Shakespeare. Um, and most people who are reading it would be aware of what what um, of what is done in production. But we also use an example right off the bat of as soon as the prime and Hecuba speech speech starts in Hamlet, the first interjection is Polonius who says. This is too long. <laughs> yeah, um, we have an immediate moment where Shakespeare has a character saying, "Okay, we can't. This is too long. Cut it down." Uh, and so, you know, Shakespeare gives us all this authority to cut his plays. Um, he, really,
0: he really does. It's a, that's a joke he goes to frequently when there's exposition mm-hmm. or long-windedness.
2: <laughs> I yeah, I also think it's interesting. Um, one thing I want to be clear about is that this book while Toby and I started it as a conversation about Shakespeare, um, it actually is for cutting any public domain plays, like anything that is legal to cut. Um, And one thing that we address pretty early on is it's not just that Shakespeare has unstable texts and is um, complicated and uh, also historically has always been cut, including during Shakespeare's lifetime, but that that's a pattern that we see in nearly every theater. Uh, Like there's... um, there's a fantastic example of the I believe it's the Yuan dynasty plays in China where the first scripts that we have for a given play will just have a little a little text that says like here he explains the plot and but it's not written out like what is said and then in subsequent versions of the same text we might have something that's got it more written out and we know that much as Shakespeare's company did when they when these touring troops would go off away from the central capital city, they would um, take out like a lot of things that only people in the capital would understand. They put in more physical humor. Um, and so these patterns that we think of as being Shakespearean are really, I would say they're very common in in most theaters and even in modern theaters, if you think about like, if you have a Broadway show that has previews somewhere and then it changes, you know, I just, um, my son and I both are obsessed with uh, working on a song, which is the process book about Hadestown. And in it, it, it has like, here's where this song started and here's where we changed it and here's where it ended up. And so what is the real text of Hadestown, right? Not that you can cut Hades Town because oh, yeah. you'll hear from their lawyers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give it seventy-five <laughs> right. years. Yeah. But it is we, 75 we actually years. have
1: a—that's uh, <laughs> right. We have a—we um, uh, have a, an appendix chapter at the end, which 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 we wrote uh, with the support of the direct uh, the Dramatists Guild of America, uh, which talks about the legalities uh, of this and about uh, what you can and can't cut because you may think, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll just cut it out. I'll just add a song. I'll just put this in. No one will notice. But we're very stringent in saying no you cannot cut death of a salesman. You just can't do it. Not yet. Um, not that you would, but you just can't do it yet. Um, oh, I would. And so, oh, I would. Um, that's
0: a lot of, Miller, lot of Miller that I would cut. And O'Neill. Oh, uh, go get me started. I want um, to see the reduced
2: Shakespeare company's production of The Iceman cometh now.
0: <laughs> oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, I think would be the
2: joke. Um <laughs>
1: Oh, hi, this is Neil Flynn, the janitor from TV Scrubs. You are listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company's podcast.
0: Where can you RSC the RSC? We're still the remote Shakespeare Company until this November 2021, and you can find our next round of performance dates at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com. You can check our Facebook and Twitter feeds for the latest information, but as always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe, and check out our touring page for specific box office venue and ticket information. Now back to my conversation with authors Eileen Huber and Toby Malone talking about their extremely helpful new book, Cutting Plays for Performance. I asked Eileen and
1: Toby how they first came to this work. While I was doing my PhD, I was doing a dramaturgy class where we uh, were required to do a placement uh, with a company and I wound up um, uh, uh, connecting with a Shakespeare company here in Toronto where they were doing Shakespeare in the park and I was given an opportunity to sit in the room while they were doing the cut and to throw in my two cents about the cut and sort of found it really fascinating and uh, over the years gained more and more uh, experience cutting and rearranging Shakespeare for different companies that were interested in doing it and wound up um, mostly treating it. Um, and a lot of it fed into my PhD thesis, which was on textual variants in productions of Richard III, where I was looking at the different ways in which the cuts uh, were influenced by the eras um, uh, that in which the cut was done. Um, so looking at the difference between Garrick's cut and Irving's cut and wh- how that you know, was influenced by what was going on in London at the time, for example. So I wrote my thesis on that. So I've always come at it from a fairly academic way, uh, and well, I'm a former actor, but primarily I, I call myself a dramaturg now. Um, whereas is a director, and so th- I, we, we had that very different um, approach, and that was, and I found always found that fascinating because we're really coming at things from different angles at the same thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I I am a director, and I work in a lot of really different contexts, but almost always I'm cutting plays, right? So sometimes I work with um, High school students and you need a one hour cut of something that is going to like not have the complicated uh language I mean no that's not true I leave I leave plenty of language for them to play with um but you know there's some stuff you don't necessarily want to get into with high school kids um and I also do a whole lot of touring productions and so we think about like maybe if there's something that's like a large Object that we just don't want to have to fit in the van. I will cut that. Yeah. Um, you know, so so by working in different contexts a lot, um, a big piece of my contribution to the book was being able to say, okay, but you know. For it, there's nothing that's sacrosanct. There's nothing that you could always say, "Never cut this," because you know what? You're doing that with middle schoolers. You might want to cut some particular thing that like actually feels so important uh, if you're thinking about an audience of adults or something. So I think my approach tends to be not very prescriptive. um. And actually, I think that's sort of the first place that Toby and I had like a fascinating and productive argument. Um, is is just the thing about Pomfret? It was for a, a production that needed to be about ninety minutes or a hundred minutes for a high school audience, and I was like, well, if I cut Pomfret, that cuts like half an hour, and it cuts a bunch of people that the high school kids don't know about or care about, like. It's really- comfort is the heart and soul of Richard (laughs) III. Who even knows Lady Grey's older sons?
1: I have to, I have have to, and I have to, I I will freely admit that Ali was right with that choice that Uh, she made.
0: Listen, when I uh, I direct um, uh, Much Ado a couple couple of times, I reassign lines, because I don't care about the old man. I'd rather give those expository lines at the beginning to Hero and Margaret and Ursula. You know, sure. for instance, um, yep. I have also swapped Leonato's and the priest's lines um at the mm. end. So, and also changed the gender to Hero's mom. Uh, yeah, Hero's father to mother. So now the mother is supportive and it's the mm-hmm. priest who's coming down hard Aww. on Hero. That just, for me, helps sell the comedy, helps sell the good. I want people to have good feelings about this. Uh-huh. And like in Twelfth Night, I cut the Sir Toby turning on Sir Andrew because I don't get it and I don't care. And that's not (laughs) what the play is about.
1: Those choices that you're allowed to make and you should make, you discover so much more about the play. You find a new um, nuance in in the play. I I don't know if you got to see the National Theatre's Romeo and Juliet that was broadcast on PBS recently, Um, but but an incredible production where uh, Capulet and Lady Capulet were swapped so Lady Capulet was the head of the household, and Lord Capulet was nothing. He was uh, he was a, a shrinking violet in the background, and so so it meant that all of the power was between J- Juliet and Cap- and Lady Capulet, and the argument scene, which is nearly always a screaming match, suddenly became incredibly psychologically uh, rich uh, as a fight between a mother and a daughter. And so those kind of fights, those kinds of things. Um, uh, and the the original argument that Eileen and I had about Richard III ended up uncovering this incredible approach to Richard III that I've never thought about. I've, I know I this at the time when I was writing my thesis, I knew that play backwards and forwards. And Eileen came and said, this is my approach when it comes to the women of the play. And it knocked me over backwards because I'd never even considered it based on... What had been what had Ali? I'll let you explain it. But um, what, but, but what had um, been uncovered from this play that I thought I knew everything about, and just by a simple cut, suddenly everything's illuminated.
2: Yeah. Um, so I should just say, by the way, I've been talking in very vague terms, but so I just want to give a, a massive shout out to the Pigeon Creek Shakespeare Company, which is the the company with which I did Richard the Third, um, and we did actually sort of two cuts uh for the same company and for the same production so the high school cut we did take out Pomfret. it was back though for the cut that we toured to uh more general audiences i promise um but the thing toby's referring to is that to me when i reread richard the third getting ready to direct it the thing that leapt off the page was all of these women and these mothers and the the power of maternal grief and the way that margaret's grief uh is the magic behind her curse and drives that play. And everything that happens in the play is because Margaret has cursed people and the curse just unrolls, right? And as I was reading it, there were, there were moments that I was like, I literally have never heard this line said on stage before. And I had probably seen seven productions of Richard III. Um, my personal favorite actually is one of those that shows up in the a Pomfret related scene, which is that uh, Lord Grey says, now Margaret's curse has fallen upon our heads. Mm. and. I have always Mm. heard that cut. Like, I mean, I like, I haven't ever seen it performed before my production. Um, But it's a way that you're about three quarters of the way through the play. And someone says, remember that thing at the beginning when that lady was here and she was mad because we messed up her family and killed her son. Uh, Now we're paying for it. That's what this is. Um, So yeah, my cut. I was very slow to cut any lines that belonged to the women um and in particular there's a scene where they are all mourning they're all saying i had an edward that richard killed and i you know i lost my son and i lost my brother and i lost all these people and that often is cut really dramatically and i left it all in um which i later learned that tina packer also is a big proponent of leaving that grief in and letting it just unspool across the stage and and tina has written something like look, people always take that out because men aren't comfortable with grief. <laughs> and I was like, well, <laughs> watch this. I, I said to Toby, this is a play about mothers. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and
0: I said and a great mom, partnership wow. was born. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, do you also, uh, do you, I mean, uh, all, right, all right. So, so far I'm relieved that you're 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 not revealing all the secrets, but uh, do you also, uh, uh, of, of abridging things, but do you also um, cut so you can do a Midsummer with three or five people, or a King Lear with four or six people? Is that also some of the reasons you do the cutting and 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 the and therefore the doubling?
2: So we have a chapter about the way your production specifically would influence your cut, and it covers things like what is the venue and how does the venue change the cut, or what does your cast size do to the cut. Um, and so we we address it within the book, but I actually personally don't have a ton of experience with that. Um, I did just recently see a brilliant, brilliant cut of Romeo and Juliet by Matt Davis for um, Starling Shakespeare, which is playing in Mackinac Island this summer. Um, and it, so that's a five-person cast. And it was really interesting to me, the moments where Matt chose to leave in two actors, two characters played by the same actor um, on stage at the same time. And he just sort of like had someone like, put a hat on their hand and now they're talking to themselves and they put the hat on now they're the character. But then there were other moments where he made cuts or reassigned lines so that that wouldn't happen. And I thought that the, the decisions he made around that were very careful in terms of like, is this a moment that's going to be enhanced by the humor of having someone talk to their own hand? Or is this a moment that would be maybe undercut by that, the inherent comedy of that?
1: Yeah. We tried to really um, paint with, with with quite broad strokes, I think, when when it came to the, the topics we were covering and sort of to say there are lots of different ways. And so we get we we throw out a lot of hypothetical situations and say. You know, what What if you, you're you in a, a high school auditorium? What if you are in um, uh, a stadium? What if you have a cast of 40? What if you have a cast of two? Um, to sort of say, you know, and what, what's the story you're trying to tell? Um, and so we really tried to... And, and the main thing, the thing that I like the best about our book, honestly, as I go back and read it, is that it is, it is really conversational. It's really accessible. Uh, it's not an academic text. Um, there's... Kind of academically smart things in there, and there are a few moments which are a little bit uh, more technical. We have a, a, a chapter um, that Ily wrote the bulk of, which is a brilliant, my favourite chapter, which is this brilliant uh, chapter about um, uh, a lot of these um, the uh, rhetorical devices that uh, that you need to take into account when making a cut. Uh, and so that w- that really sort of takes takes you into into the weeds when it comes to the cut. But there are also other chapters where we're sort of just breezy and telling jokes and having fun with it and we and 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 the early responses we've had to the book have been that it, it's fun to read and that's it was and that, it was fun to write i think both of us kept waiting for it to stop being fun but it was fun the whole time That's it for this week's
0: Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Eileen Huber and Toby Malone's Cutting Plays for Performance is stuffed with interviews with folks who are putting all this work into practice and is available for pre-order now by going to their website, cuttingplays.com. The book comes out in December 2021, and you can find out a ton more information at the website, cuttingplays.com. Then send us your favorite cuts via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSE Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow Cutting Plays on all the socials at Cutting Plays, Eile Hubers on Twitter at How Let Swing, all one word, How Let Swing, and on Instagram at Nilati. Nilati? N-I-L-A-T-T-I. You can follow me on Twitter, too, at Austin Tichner, on Instagram, at Shakespeareans, and I hope you'll check out my new website, The Shakespeareans. There you can find more information on how I can help you with monologues, presentations, or writing projects. Check out theshakesperience.com and my Patreon page, patreon.com slash austintichner. Thanks, as always, to cost-cutter Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power, limited and music by John Weber and GarageBand, Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Lady Geek. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to TV's Neil Flynn from Scrubs and the Middle. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe, get vaccinated, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 768, 2304ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. It sounds like a fantastic book and I can't wait to read it myself. Although it does feel like there's a fundamental flaw that you talk to all these people, but yet you didn't talk to any famous reducer, complete abridger. um, (laughs) And that seems like a failure to me. That was a
2: a failing. Although I will say that we talked about it and we, uh, (laughs) we drew a, a firm line between adaptation and cutting and we decided you were more on the adaptation side. I exact we'll we'll,
1: we'll, we'll we'll get you back for the sequel. This
0: podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since nineteen eighty one. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. So much less. S- so
2: much less.